You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. John the Baptist led the way. Repent. He introduces Jesus. Jesus then began to preach. Repent. Then Jesus commissioned his disciples. And they went out and preached repentance. It just means to turn. You're confessing, I'm a sinner. I am going to turn from going my way. I'm going to turn to God and receive Christ as Lord and Savior. And without a Savior, we're all headed for hell. We need a Savior. His name is Jesus. The Pharisees were a group of people who thought themselves to be perfect. They were righteous by their own measurements. However, John the Baptist taught that everyone needed to repent of sin, even the Pharisees. Today, Pastor Danny will explain how you need to recognize your need to confess and repent and rely on the forgiveness of your Savior. If you confess your sin, Jesus forgives you. Baptism won't save you. Religious heritage won't save you. Obedience to rules won't save you. Only faith in Jesus saves you. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark chapter 1 as he begins his message, The Blessings of Repentance. I have gone to uh, Mark's Gospel, chapter 1. So grab your Bibles, Mark's Gospel, chapter 1. And the opening verse, the beginning of the Gospel, it means good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah, the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John came. We've dubbed him John the Baptist. Not because he's Baptist in terms of denomination, because the Baptist denomination didn't start until the 1600s. We call him John the Baptist because of what he did. Baptizing in the desert. He baptized people baptizing in the desert region, and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside, all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. I think some went out just to see this dude. Because if you know anything about him, his dress, he wore camel's hair, he had a big leather belt, His diet was unique. He ate locusts and wild honey. I picture John the Baptist, if he had come in our day, as a big, burly biker. (laughs) He's got black leather. He's got a chain hooked to his wallet and to his belt. 
He's got a really gruff voice, and he comes riding in. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Confessing their sins. He's a lone voice. And he has a simple message to understand. He has the privilege of introducing Jesus to the world and the world to Jesus. Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, some believe that John the Baptist was a part of a group called the Essenes. We don't know that, but there are some similarities. For example, the Essenes lived in the desert region down south of Jerusalem. They had practices that were not practices that the normal culture would practice, religious practices. Uh, One of them was baptism. They cited as their reason for living in the desert, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, which we just read a portion of about John the Baptist. A voice of one calling in the desert. And so they lived in the desert. They said, we've separated ourselves unto God. We're not like everybody else. They practiced baptism by immersion. We practice baptism by immersion. We take you all the way under, and thank God, we don't leave you there. We keep some people under a little longer than others. We bring you back out, because the picture is the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ, and by faith in what Christ has done, you're dead to your old life, and now you have a new life by faith in Christ, and in the process, you've been washed, you've been cleansed. People would come out to be baptized by John. Now, Matthew, if you go there to Matthew chapter 3 just for a minute, Matthew tells us there were some people that came out to be baptized or at least to see what was happening with John baptizing people. Verse 7, Matthew chapter 3. When he, John, uh, saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, whoa, you bunch of snakes. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. They were the religious leaders of the day. And as religious as they were, by John's estimation, they needed to repent. One of their problems was they were self-righteous because they based their righteousness on comparing themselves with everybody else. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Verse 9, and do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. Don't depend on your religious heritage. I tell you, out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Fastest people going to what the Bible calls hell are religious people who think God would never send me to hell. I have 10 points. I know you're worried. Some of them will go fairly fast. They all have to do with repentance and a baptism unto repentance. And here's what's very clear from the scriptures. Baptism without repentance is simply a religious act. And it doesn't matter what mode of baptism. You know, some groups, some churches, uh, they don't do what we do. They don't take you all the way under. They just sprinkle you. 
Intention is still the same. It's a cleansing. But if there's no repentance, it's very clear from the scriptures. Very clear here. (laughs) Baptism without repentance is simply a religious act. Do you no good? No merit before God just to go through some religious act. Repentance involves confessing sin. Now, we understand what he's talking about here. When they came uh, to John the Baptist confessing their sins, <laughs> they didn't come with a list. <laughs> this is what I did when I was five years old. Man, it was bad. But boy, by the time I got to eight years old, the list was longer. And when I hit middle school, oh, oh, oh man. You know? it's, not a, it's not an itemized list of here's all the things I've done. <laughs> no. It's a general conviction by the Holy Spirit. Uh, You know you have need because you've made mistakes. You know you're a sinner. Sinner. Sin just means missing the mark. Missing the mark. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Repentance involves confessing sin. Jesus and his disciples all preached repentance. Repentance. John the Baptist led the way, repent. He introduces Jesus. Jesus then began to preach, repent. Then Jesus commissioned his disciples, and they went out and preached repentance. It just means to turn. You're confessing, I'm a sinner. I am going to turn from going my way. I'm going to turn to God and receive Christ as Lord and Savior. And without a Savior, we're all headed for hell. We need a Savior. His name is Jesus. And so you confess your sin, you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, and now you're washed by faith. You're cleansed. Old life is over. New life is begun. And by faith in Jesus Christ, you're cleansed. They preach, repent, because that's the only way. The only way. Now, everybody needs to repent. Religious people need to repent. They're the hardest ones to get to realize they need to repent because they think they're okay. Even the Apostle Paul said about his fellow Jewish brothers and sisters, Romans chapter 10, they have a zeal for God, but their zeal is not based on righteousness because they wouldn't submit to Christ's righteousness, which is by faith in what Christ did, not what you can do. You depend on what you can do, you're in real trouble. Because you may look good compared to other people, but all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's our problem. We've missed God's mark. Everybody needs to repent. Acts 17, God commands people everywhere, everywhere. doesn't matter where you live, where you've come from, what's your background. Everybody needs to repent. And without repentance, there's no salvation. Everybody needs to repent. Here's some really good news. God desires that everyone repent. God's not up there going, well, I don't really like them anyway. I I hope they don't repent because I want to send them to hell. I can't wait to see them burn. it's, It's ridiculous. The Bible tells us hell was created for the devil and his angels. Only people that go to hell are people who choose to. The blood of Jesus is sufficient, no matter what the Calvinists say. It's sufficient for everyone. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him 
whosoever should not perish but have everlasting life. Second Peter, he writes and he says, God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. Let me tell you the way Ezekiel puts it. Ezekiel 18, verse 32, God says, I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent and live. God took me to Luke's gospel, chapter 13, as I was thinking about it. In Luke chapter 13, some people come to Jesus. They say, now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Pilate, wicked guy, hated Christians, hated Jews who worshiped the God of Israel. And what they're referring to are some Galileans, some Israelites, and in the act of worship under the Old Testament economy where they're bringing sacrifices, and so they're blood sacrifices. And while they're offering these blood sacrifices in worship to their God, in the midst of their act of worship, Pilate commands some of his henchmen to come in and murder them. And as they are killed, their blood mixes with the blood of the very sacrifices they're offering to God. And and people are asking Jesus, why would God allow that? Why'd that happen? And notice the answer, verse 2. Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. He doesn't stop there. Look at what he says in verse 4. Are those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them? That was a recent tragedy, an accident. 18 people die. Tower falls on them. Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will perish. What's the point that he's making? It's very clear. The point that he's making is that you're all going to die. You don't know how you're going to die. You don't know when you're going to die, but you're going to die. And there is no guarantee for any single person here. Listen, every breath you take is a gift from God. Don't you play Russian roulette with your soul. If you die today and you've never repented and received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you are headed for a Christless eternity and you will forever and ever and ever and ever and ever regret it. Because you had a chance. You had an opportunity. Everybody has an opportunity because God wants everybody to repent. He wants everyone to repent. Imagine how the heart of God grieves. Because he doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He didn't create hell for us. He said, I don't believe in hell. You better be right. But I'm going to tell you something. Jesus believes in hell. He talked more about hell recorded in these pages of the four gospels than he did about heaven. More record of Jesus talking about hell than he talked about heaven. I think one of the reasons is he doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He desires everyone to repent. You know what repentance does? Removes the obstacles between me and God. Some people listening right now, you may be going, I know I need to repent. I know I need to receive Jesus. 
just not ready. Here's what they mean by that. There's something that's in the way. For me, young teenager, my mother and grandmother had taken me to the Baptist church right down the road when I was just a little kid, Emmanuel Baptist Church, Pastor Milton Frazier. Years passed. By the time I got in middle school, I ain't going to the Baptist church. I ain't going to church at all. <laughs> I'm going where the girls are. I'm going where the cool people are. I'm going where the parties are. I became a drummer. I started getting invited with a little band we had to play at these birthday parties. I was a rock star. I ain't going to church. Now, in the Baptist denomination, a lot of them have what they call visitation. Let me tell you what visitation is. There's a night of the week, and anybody that wants to, and it's only a small number that are, that are willing to do it, Baptists that go to that church, and you come, and somehow you've got names of people that you're going to go and visit. And you're going to share the gospel with them, you're going to share Christ with them, or you're going to invite them back to church. They used to go years ago, but they've stopped going, you know. And you're going you're gonna to try to encourage them to get back involved. And so you, you, you have visitation. Well, somehow, they got my name. Probably my mother, maybe my grandmother, but somehow they got my name. And all of a sudden, before I could go out and party this one night, all of a sudden, my mother comes and says, there's this guy here here to see you from Emmanuel Baptist Church. I'm like, oh! (laughs) Sat me down, shared the gospel with me, talked with me. He was a nice guy. Nice. I can see him right now in my mind. Nicest guy in the world. Tried to lead me in a prayer. I'm like, "Mm, nah. Why? There were things in between me and doing that. Because I knew. I knew enough when I was a child. I knew enough to know that if I was going to do that, if I was going to do that, if I was going to pray that prayer, you know, if I was going to repent, that means <laughs> the party life, the party life, at least the way, I, the way I knew it. I mean, it was over with. Okay? And I'm like, I'm having too much fun. I'm enjoying life too much. And What foolish person ever said sin is not fun? If you didn't enjoy sexual immorality, why would you do it? I hate it. Oh, you love it. But it's still sin. You're involved with somebody, not your wife, not your husband. That's called sin. I was involved. I was partying. I was doing drugs. I was drinking, you know. And man, we had some great times. I had some great friends, then we had some great parties. I was living it up. And so when that guy come from the Baptist church from visitation night to my house, nah, I am forever thankful that I didn't die. I get up one Saturday morning at the crack of noon. I'd been partying, 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 partying early into the morning. By the time I go outside, I looked at the driver's, no, it was the passenger side of my car. The whole side of the car was crashed in, but still drivable. To this day, I'm telling you, to this day, I have no idea how I drove that car home, and I have no idea what happened to the side of that car. That's how messed up I was. I have no recollection of coming home that night. No recollection. No recollection of how my car got damaged. That's how bad it was. There's so many times I could have died. 
And I was afraid to die because I knew the truth. I knew from when I was a little boy, I'd heard the truth about Jesus. I knew. I knew I needed to repent. I knew it. When I'm 18 years old, I met this girl. I fell head over heels in love with her. I thought, this is the girl of my dreams. One day we'll get married. We weren't married. We were living together off and on. It was while I was dating her that the Holy Spirit began to convict me so deeply. I knew. I knew I needed to get right with God. I knew it. I would get very moody. We'd be out. We'd be drinking and stuff. And she wasn't a druggie. She drank. We'd go to the bars, but she wasn't a druggie. And she was influential in getting me off the drugs. God used this relationship to help get me off the drugs. But I'd still go out and drink with her. And I knew, I knew she loved me when our first My first birthday being together with her, she gave me a carton of Winston cigarettes. (laughs) Not a pack. She gave me a carton. I knew she loved me. We were in love, and I thought, she's the girl of my dreams. But I began to be convicted. I would get moody, especially when we had been drinking, you know. I would cry, and she would say, what's wrong? And I'd say, I can't tell you. Because what I wanted to tell her was, I'm not right with God. One night, one night after several of these incidents over months, I turned to her. I turned to her as she's dropping me off at my house that night after we had been out partying. And she said, what's wrong? I said, I'm not right with God. It wasn't because I said that. But in a very short time after that, my life didn't change. She broke up with me. I was devastated. I, was, I couldn't eat. I would eat and I would, I would throw up. It was the most painful thing I'd ever gone through in my life. I thought, my life is over. She broke it up with me. I never could make miserable all my life, you know. But that helped to eventually open the door for me to be able to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And now I look back and realize she was not God's will for my life. Wendy was. And Wendy is so happy about that. <laughs> Let me tell you. She's so happy about that. <laughs> that was a good one, wasn't it? That was, that was, <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> uh, Wendy was God's will for my life. And I finally repented. And I said, God, you can take anything. And I laid my life down and I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And now the obstacles are out of the way. Listen. A girlfriend can be in the way, a boyfriend can be in the way, somebody you love can be in the way, and a, a bad habit can be in the way, you know, money can get in the way, the rich young ruler. What repentance does, it removes the obstacles between you and God. And you finally say, okay, Lord, I repent. And it's the best thing you could ever do. I look back at the passage, and the full passage in Isaiah says the valleys will be filled in The mountains and hills made low, the crooked roads made straight, the rough ways made smooth. And for me, I put the valleys filled in. If you were a low life, a low life we've defined as a person considered morally unacceptable. The mountains and hills made low, that's the prideful person, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, thinking, I'm okay. No, you're not. The crooked roads made straight. That's the person that's just headed the wrong direction. And maybe even religiously, there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death.
We're so blessed to be able to share the Word of God with you on each new edition of The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our valued listening audience. If you'd like to hear today's message again, please visit ccfstpete.church. You can also join in our Bible reading plan. More information can be found on our website. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment and offer you an opportunity to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join with us in praying for the listeners of this program? During this time of uncertainty in our nation, prayer is a powerful tool to combat fear and to promote peace in Jesus. Please pray that each person that hears these messages from the life of Jesus are touched and changed by His love. Please pray also for us. We want to continue following God's plan for this program, no matter where He asks us to go. Would you also ask the Lord about contributing financially to The Living Word? If you feel led to give, visit our website at ccfstpete.church and then click on the online giving guide under Forms. Any and all amounts are greatly appreciated and will be used to share this good news of Jesus' love for the world. Thank you for praying about this. That website, one more time, is ccfstpete.church. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. Thanks for being a part of our time here on The Living Word.